Thank you for being here. Thank you. Well, I just changed my message from what I was going to preach after that song. If you will be turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. It's a joy to be with you. Your pastor's treated me better than he ought to. And uh, sure, have enjoyed the nice motel room for my wife and I. And uh, the good fellowship. And the wonderful meal today. And the good fellowship with several of the folks. And, and uh, just nice to get to know the man of God and his wife. And some of you people better. And it's uh, just a joy to be here. I originally came when the first when the church first started, and it was in a bank building, and uh, I was the first missionary uh, that was taken on, and uh, I was real honored. And this church has been faithful all down through the years, and uh, we're just very grateful to you for being such a wonderful people. Now tonight. This morning I tried to show you something that Jesus was teaching on partnership. And that was the title of my message, Partnership. And tonight I want to preach a message after that song on the positive effects of prayer and the negative effects of not praying. And, uh, you know, and everything in God's work is not of equal value. That's true. Uh, John R. Rice said, all failures are prayer failures. And uh, the goal of prayer, many people think, is the supply of need. But the goal of prayer is the pursuit of God. Amen. It's That's to right. get to know Him. In our reading, we're going to see two different types of people. And in Matthew chapter 26, I'm going to start in verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep, and saith unto Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Couldn't you give me an hour of your time? Just an hour? I mean, he's facing the hardest time in his existence on earth as the Son of Man and as the Son of God. And he needs somebody to pray with him. You ever had those hard times when you just need somebody really praying for you? I have. And, uh, and when you're facing certain things and they tell you, uh, they call in your family and they say, uh, we're going to operate, but uh, call all the family in and because uh, we don't think he's going to make it. But they've been wrong before and they were wrong then. But uh, prayer uh, really does some wonderful things. My wife has prayed for me like no other. And uh, I appreciate her so much. And so, he said, could you not watch with me 
one hour. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then cometh he to his disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Uh, behold, he is at hand that doth betray me. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, Wherefore art thou come? Then came they and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of, the, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. Then said, uh, he wasn't aiming very good. He meant to get his head, I think, but he just got an ear. And then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? Well, twelve legions of angels is 72,000 angels. And, but he said, How then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour said Jesus to the multitudes, are you come out against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sat daily with you teaching in the temple, and you laid no hold on me. But all this was done, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. I'm going to stop there, but we'll go through the end of the chapter in this message. Now, Father, please bless your word. Our Lord Jesus is trying to teach us something here that's very important in the area of prayer. And I pray in this expository message that you will take your words and implant them deeply within our hearts and help us in our prayer life and help those who are not praying as they should to change their prayer life and that it might be the kind of prayer life that will bring glory to you and produce fruit in their lives and in the lives of others. Now, Lord, we pray tonight if there's anyone here lost without Christ, and uh, it's pretty hard to understand the Word of God when you don't have the Spirit of God in you. And I pray that tonight, if anyone here is lost, that they'd receive Christ as their Savior, where they could have God's Spirit working inside of them. May they repent of their sins and place their faith, their trust, their all in a living Savior. He died for our sins, but He didn't stay dead. He arose from the grave. Buddha didn't do that, Mohammed didn't do that, Shinto didn't do that, and many others didn't do that. But our Lord did. And He's the way, the truth, and the life. And we can depend on Him and have faith in Him. And Lord Jesus, I pray tonight that You might be glorified in this service and that we might glorify You in our lives more every day. And we'll thank You and praise You in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Four things our Lord had 
that each of us needs in our lives. Uh, he had a relationship with the Word of God. And that's so important that we have a relationship with the Word of God because it's impossible to get to know God and get to know the will of God and get the help we need if we're not in the Bible continually. And uh, so he had a relationship with the Word of God. And he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, sir. He didn't do anything without the filling of the Holy Spirit. And he loved the church. As I said this morning, it was the object of his greatest uh, affection on this earth. And then he had a rich prayer life. He talked with his Father. And we all need those things too. And I want to point out to you uh, five things in the positive effects of prayer. Number one, prayer causes us a willingness to want to do the will of God. And if you're praying right, you're going to want to do the will of God. Verse 39, it says, And he went a little farther and fell on his face and praying, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. And in verse 42, he went away again the second time and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, Thy will be done. And prayer will cause you to want to do the will of God. And uh, if your prayer life doesn't arrive at that point, then it's not the right kind of prayer life. Because real prayer, when you are allowing prayer to pursue God in your life, you're going to want to do His will. And then secondly, let me say, prayer helps us to properly handle the weaknesses in others. You notice, first of all, Jesus here, when He asked them to pray with Him, and He said, couldn't you watch one hour? Couldn't you just give me an hour of your time? And uh, He sounded a little disturbed because they weren't helping Him when He needed it. But then the second time He prayed and came back, you notice in verse 43, and He came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy, and He left them. He didn't wake them up. He didn't chastise them. He didn't get angry with them. He left them. And then the third time, when He came back, in verse 45, then cometh He to His disciples and saith unto them, Sleep on now and take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Now, some uh, commentators and uh, some scholars believe that there is a period of time there that he just let them sleep. And uh, uh, he let them get rest. And then finally, as the men begin to come to take him, he said, rise, let us be going. He is at hand that doth betray me. So he woke them up then. But you notice he handled their weaknesses very well. A lot of times... We don't handle the weaknesses of others the way we ought to. Now, Pastor, you're a wonderful man of God, but I've been in churches where pastors call down their people. They'll point them out and say, you haven't been here. We're glad to have you today, but you should have been here. And others that say, well, this man here uh, thinks he can just come to church once every four or five months and, and uh, give an offering, and it's wonderful. But uh, uh, it's not. And I've been in churches like that. And uh, I've been in churches where uh, men, so-called men of God, 
have really chastised their people in such horrible ways. And uh, I didn't feel at home there. Uh, Our Lord handled the weaknesses of people very well. And we could learn from Him. A lot of times people uh, don't handle the weaknesses in their own families very well. And they're quick to jump on this family member or that family member. Or they're quick to jump on their kids about things. And, and uh, you know, I whipped my kids when they were growing up. But I always had prayer with them and I pointed out to them exactly what they had done wrong. And I went to the Bible and showed them from the Bible what they did wrong. And I said, and you knew that you were doing wrong when you did it, weren't you? Yes, sir. And... Uh, now you're going to get a spanking. And uh, my, my daughter, she was really good about one spank and she's under the bed, crawling up under there, hiding everywhere. You know, I had to pull her out by the legs. My son, Stephen, he, he was my youngest. And he, he would say, Brian, he just, my oldest, he'd just go there and grit his teeth. And, you know? But Stephen, he'd say, Daddy, I love you. I love you so much. And I know you love me. Let's both pray. And he'd have the longest prayer you ever saw. When he got through, I was too tired to whip him. (laughs) But uh, anyway, uh, kids are different. And no two are the same. Not even twins sometimes are different. And uh, but we need to love our kids and let them know they're loved, even when they have to be punished, even when they have to be chastised. We need to do it in love. And uh, some men treat their wives worse than they treat somebody they work with. Yeah, sure. and that's not very good. We ought to treat them like the queen that they are in our home. And you make much of them, they'll make much of you. You make much of Jesus, He'll make much of you. And uh, a wife is a wonderful thing to have. We've been married 56 years and in July. And we got mar- married on July the 3rd we, where we could start off July the 4th with a bang, amen? And, uh, and uh, we uh, have been through some hard times, but we get closer together all the time. And my wife was beautiful when she was young. But she gets more beautiful to me every day inside and out. And uh, I'm trying to be a better husband every chance I get. And I tell her all the time how much I love her and how precious she is, how amazing she is, how awesome she is. And I know you men do the same. If not, somebody slap you one time. And then, but... uh, I'm just kidding about that. But anyway, uh, prayer helps us to handle the weaknesses in other people. And uh, just because somebody's not as smart as you, and, uh, and some of you are thinking right now, yeah, you're one of them. But, uh, but uh, anyway, just because some of us aren't as smart as you doesn't mean we're totally inept or totally ignorant. And, uh, and if you can help us, help us. I think when we're invited into other people's lives, we ought to try and make them better That's good. and not bitter. Amen. That's good. You know? And uh, so prayer helps us to handle the weaknesses in others. And then number three, prayer helps us to handle the wickedness in others. 
Look at verse 47 and following. And while he yet spake, lo, Judas, one of the twelve, came, and with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, that same is he, hold him fast. And forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master. And he kissed him. Isn't that precious? And Jesus said unto him, Enemy, wherefore art thou come? Is that what he said? No, he called him friend. He called Judas, who betrayed him, friend. You know why he did that? Because he's a friend of sinners. He's a friend. He loves sinners. We were all sinners before we got saved. And, uh, and his love drew a lot of us. The fear drew some of us. We were scared we were going to go to hell. And uh, Dr. Keene said, uh, I didn't, he said, I didn't, didn't get saved from love. He said, I was scared I was going to burn forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but he said, then I learned to love him so much. And, uh, but prayer helps us to handle the wickedness in other people. Jesus was loving his enemies when he called him friend. And, uh, and behold, one of them which were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a high, uh, servant of the high priest and smote off his ear. And uh, I read the following. But uh, a lot of times, we don't handle the wickedness in other people like we ought to. Instead of condemning all of these wicked people, we ought to be praying for them and asking God. I pray for uh, our president. Uh, He's taxing us to death. He's raising all our gas prices and food prices and all kind of things. But I still pray for him. Uh, I wasn't for him. But uh, he's in office, whether he got it legally or illegally, bringing all those votes in at night by the truckload. I don't know. But I know one thing. The Bible encourages us to pray for our leaders. And... uh, he certainly, and Kamala Harris, who is uh, a communist, and, and uh, I could say some other things, but I won't, but they need prayer. True. They True. really need prayer. And wouldn't it be great if some of these people, if Harry Reid and Nancy Pelosi, really got born again? Right. It'd be a wonderful thing. And uh, uh, Nancy said she prayed for President Trump. I don't know what she prayed for him, but I don't think it was good. Because <laughs> she hated him with a passion. But anyway, prayer will help us to handle the wickedness in others. And Jesus is teaching us here. He's always teaching us when we read the, the New Testament. He's teaching us how we ought to handle our lives, how we ought to act in our lives. And He's teaching us here to learn to handle the wickedness in other people in the right way. And then let me say number four, prayer creates for us insight into the work of God. Mm. Now, notice here when Peter struck off the servant of the uh, high priest's ear, and then in verse 52, then said Jesus unto him, Put up again thy sword into his place, for all they that take the sword shall perish with the sword. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? In that same hour, said Jesus to the multitudes, are you come out against a thief with swords and staves for to take me? I sit daily with you, teaching in the temple, 
and ye laid no hold on me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Prayer creates us insight into the work of God. Peter did not understand that. He thought the goal of Christianity was deliverance. Deliver me from this. Deliver me from that. A lot of people are praying, give me, give me, give me. Or deliver me, deliver me, help me, help me. Nothing wrong with that. But the goal of prayer is not deliverance. The goal of prayer is not just necessarily getting things for you. The goal of prayer is the fulfillment of Scripture. Because Jesus said here, How then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? He said, Peter, I'm not looking to be delivered. I'm looking to see the Scriptures fulfilled in my life. In verse 56, But all this was done that the Scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. And so, the goal of Christianity was, is not deliverance. The goal of Christianity is fulfillment of the Scriptures. And I want the Scriptures fulfilled in my life. And I think you do too. And... Uh, that's how some of us can keep going. It's the Scriptures being fulfilled in our life and the Spirit of God working through the Scriptures in our lives to keep us pressing on despite all the problems we may have before us and in us. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, the disease may be growing in you that's going to kill you. And you could be young or old. And you do not know how long you've got. I don't know how long I've got. But I want God's Word working in me to fulfill in my life His will. And uh, then let me say number five, you're probably not praying right until you are watching. You say, what do you mean by that? By giving up something. Giving up sleep. Giving up time that you spend in recreation or whatever to have a rich, valuable prayer life that has answers to those prayers. And I found out that praying for others, when I do that, I get more of my own needs met when I've got other people's burdens on my heart. And when I have God's will on my heart, I see more things done than just wanting things happening well for myself. And uh, But what will you give up to have a rich prayer life? What will you give up to have a prayer life that wants to do the will of God, that properly handles the weaknesses and the wickedness in others, and that creates insight into the work of God? What will you give up where you can have that? Then let me mention the negative effects of not praying. Now, we're going to start reading in verse 58. But Peter followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace, and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now, he didn't have any hope here. He's just going to see the end of the Lord. Now the chief priests and the elders and all the council sought to, for false witnesses against Jesus to put Him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. Of course, he was talking about his body, not the actual right. temple uh, of the Jews there. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witnesses against thee? And Jesus held his peace. 
And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God, well, he was looking at the living God, that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now we have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face. That was one of the most dishonorable things that they could do. And uh, spit in someone's face. Now, if you've been out on visitation much, uh, you may have had people spit in your face. I know I have. And uh, it's not uh, something you enjoy at all, especially if they've got a bad cold. But uh, anyway, uh, here they spit in his face and buffeted him. That means to strike with the fist. And uh, Barnes and Gill and other commentators say it means to strike with the fist with force in the temples. In the temples. That's a weak area in your body. If you pierce that temple, you're pretty much dead. And they beat him. And uh, Isaiah 52 tells us his visage was marred more than any man. You couldn't even tell he was a man. Uh, he was beaten so badly. And by all the those within uh, uh, there, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. And, and uh, then... It says, and others smote him with the palms of their hand. Now Barnes and Gill and others say they didn't just smite him with the palms of their hand, but they had rods in their hand. They're short little rods, and they beat him across the face and across the lips with those rods. And your lips don't handle being hit with a rod very good. And some say they were metal rods. They weren't wooden. And... Uh, so, I read a lot of commentaries on this. And uh, our Lord went through hell on earth for us because He loved us. He loved us that much. And that's just the beginning of His trial. And then beaten with the cat of nine tails. And uh, then crown of thorns. And some of those thorns that they used, we've been told, were up to seven inches long that they pressed down on His head. And uh, our precious Lord Jesus went through all that for us. And then said, He's guilty of death. And then verse 68 saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, as they mocked Him. Who is He that smote thee? Because they had Him blindfolded. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto Him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while came, uh, after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. 
Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. The negative effects of prayer. You'll have weakness in time of conflict. And Peter showed weakness in time of conflict. In uh, verse 58, uh, Peter uh, followed afar off. And then in verses 69 through 75, he's denying our Lord. And uh, he was weak. And you'll use worldly means to try and solve your problems. Peter thought he could get it done with a sword. Right. But that didn't get the job done. And you'll be confused in the work of God. Peter was totally confused. I mean, he began to curse and swear. And then there'll be unnecessary weeping brought on by, or there'll be weeping brought on by unnecessary conduct. And uh, the negative effects of prayer, of not praying, not praying right. Peter had prayed before, but he sure wasn't praying right now. He did everything wrong. And I wonder tonight, how's your prayer life? Is your prayer life the kind that wants you to do the will of God? And you're anxious to do God's will in your life? Does your prayer life help you to handle the weaknesses of other people? Does your prayer life help you to handle the wickedness in other people? Does your prayer life create insight into the work of God? And is your prayer life so valuable that we're, you're willing to give up time that you'd spend doing other things that maybe your flesh loves to do and uh, you're willing to give it up just to have a rich, valuable prayer life that works and gets answered. And you want to see the Word of God, the Scriptures fulfilled in your life. I hope you're not using worldly means to solve your problems. I hope you're not weak in time of conflict. I hope you're not confused in the work of God. And I hope you're not weeping because you're out of the will of God. Now, Father, I thank You for Your Word. And I thank You for the privilege of being here today. Normally, I preach a message tonight on the Word of God, our own missions. But after that song, I felt led to share this from Matthew 26. Lord, You taught us well here. You gave us a lot to think about. And Lord, You did everything right. Many times, we don't do everything right as we should. But Lord, help us to be a people of prayer. You prayed continually. Our Bible tells us that we ought to be ready to pray at any time, that we should pray without ceasing, that we should be talking to You, thinking about You continually. And Lord, I have 50 widows that I pray for every day. And I have others that I 
so many others that I pray for. Many times my nights are spent more in prayer than in sleeping. And uh, Lord, uh, last night, though I had cramps real bad, I still got a lot of praying done in the midst of them, walking around, moving around, and whatever. But Lord, help us to be more like You. It's so fulfilling when we see answer to prayer and we see God working in us and in others we've prayed for. And so, Lord, and when we pray for sinners that are lost and undone without Christ, so close to hell they don't realize it, and we pray for them and see them come to Christ, it's such a wonderful thing. So, Lord, help these precious people to be prayer warriors. Now I'm going to ask the pastor to come and close the service as he sees fit tonight.